Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> so great to see you all here early in the morning for sunrise service. I to see all your beautiful faces. Um, really quick, I just want to say thank you to the eldership team for allowing me to be up here. It really is an honor. And uh, I want to say a special thanks to Breno and Pastor Don for helping me get prepared for this sermon. I've always had great leaders around me, and I'm so glad that I, um, I'm able to be up here. But why don't we just get right into the word? Today we're going to be starting off in Matthew 28, verses 5 through 7. It says, The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. What if I told you something? What if I told you that the truth about Jesus was not finally revealed until the resurrection? What if I told you that the resurrection was a seal and confirmation of the saving activity on the cross of Calvary? When Jesus was on the cross, he sat there and he said, it is finished. But when he rose from the dead, that was God saying, amen. Now let me ask you something. Have you ever wondered why the Gospels do not explain the resurrection? Because they don't. The Gospels have stories of Jesus' life. They have uh, his miracles, his parables in there, but they don't explain the resurrection. That's because the resurrection is what explains the Gospels. The morning of the resurrection brought a message that was an end of fear. There's no longer reason to fear death. There's no longer a reason to fear the wrath of God. There's no longer a reason to fear trials of daily life. Jesus brought an end to fear through the resurrection. Jesus' resurrection is that one event in which the Messiah was raised from the dead and his body brought to life in order to demonstrate the completed work of redemption. Not only did Christ demonstrate his completion of, not only did Christ demonstrate his completion of the redemption, but God also, in power and in might, struck down death and total defeat. This is why down through the ages, us as Christians have always proclaimed that the, or Christians have always proclaimed that they want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Christians understand that the resurrection together with the, with the cross is to be history's most important event. The despair of all past is reversed by it, and the hope of all future is enabled by it. It is of all events the most illuminating disclosure of God's plan of salvation. To understand the resurrection is to understand the meaning of history from its end. This is why Luke 24, 34, the Lord has risen indeed, is now a testimony. What a wonderful miracle was that happened on this day when Jesus rolled the stone away and walked out of his earthly grave. That first Easter was definitely a day to remember, and this year's Easter can be an Easter to remember. Just think about what the resurrection means for you and your salvation and your eternal, eternal future. Think about what was accomplished by Christ's resurrection. His life was physically renewed. His body and spirit were reunited. Death became subject to his authority. He was exalted for his obedience. He, was, he obtained a new position at the right hand of his Father in heaven. His body became transfigured once and for all. Now, how does this translate into English for us today? The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Have you ever been afraid? Yeah, <laughs> I've been afraid. I remember this time when I was about five years old, 
and we were at my grandparents' house. We just had an amazing meal, because my grandma always makes amazing meals. And as we're there, we go down to the basement to find if we can find a little something to do. So we decide we're going to watch some TV. And my uncle, also known as Matt Stutzman, <laughs> has this great idea that a five-year-old should be watching Finding Bigfoot. Great idea. So as I'm down there in the basement, I'm watching Finding Bigfoot, and I'm seeing these things of Bigfoot running around, tearing into houses and stuff, and I'm just, I'm terrified. I start getting so scared, it's to the point that I go upstairs, and I'm about to go out to the car, and I go, and the car's about 30 feet out. I go about 15 feet, and I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm like, Bigfoot is right around that corner, and he's about to get me. There's no way I'm walking to that car. It got so bad, it was to the point to where I was at home, and I was in my bed, and I was just trying to sleep, and I just had thoughts, Bigfoot's going to get me. Bigfoot is going to get me. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do this. And my mom, she's trying to explain to me, I'm a five-year-old, she's trying to explain to me, Bigfoot's not real. Bigfoot's not going to come and get you, but she's trying to think of the best way to explain it. And so she says to me, Corey, think of Bigfoot as like, it's like a fairy tale. He's not real. He's not going to come and actually get you. As I'm sitting there, I'm like, fairy tale. Oh, I'm surprised that I knew this word at the time, and I'm surprised I still know what it means now. But I said, it's like a myth. That's right, a myth. And at that moment, something clicked in my head. Bigfoot's not real. I have no reason to be afraid because he's just a myth. And just as my mother had encouraged me not to be afraid, this is what God is encouraging us to do this morning, which leads me to my first point, we do not need to be afraid. These women had multiple reasons to be afraid. The world that they knew came crashing down, and over the last few days, everything they expected fell apart. First, Jesus dies in a, a series of events that was completely unexpected. The result was a lingering sense of personal fear. Their world was literally turned upside down. Second, Jesus was not to be found. The women were heading to the tomb where Jesus was buried to finish the task of anointing his body. The events of the morning would only add to their sense of fear. There was an earthquake, just as there was on Friday afternoon. There can be no doubt that the women experienced this event. As they arrived to the tomb, they found Roman soldiers lying on the ground like dead men. The stone was rolled away with an angel sitting on top of it. The sight would have been both glorious and terrifying. If you think about it, these women had never seen an angel before. And for them to go and find the stone rolled away with an angel sitting on top of it, it must have been, I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what it would be like. That would be terrifying. And it's for this reason that the words of the angel are so vital. Do not be afraid. The angel understood the unnerving nature of the events of the previous days and begins by putting their fears to rest. The message should do the same for us. We often come into situations in life that unnerve us and rattle our sensibilities. The words of the angel echo across the ages to our hearts. Do not be afraid. Now, I don't know what it is that you're going through this morning, I don't know what it is that you're afraid of. I don't know if you're scared about what your next paycheck might be. I don't know if you're scared about the next stage in your guys' life, whether you're going to go to school and get bullied or whether you have a coworker at your, at your work that you do not want to be with. You do not want to have to deal another day with them. You may be afraid of what the daily life might bring for you, but there's no longer reason to fear any of these things. Our greatest fears were relieved at the empty tomb. Our greatest need was cared for through the resurrection. 
Jesus came to dispel the reality of fear in the hearts of humanity. Now, can I just say how great is our God? Like, how great is him? How great is he? <laughs> he has done so much for us. He died on the cross just so we could be here and we could live with him eternally. Now, I'm going to my second point, and that is we need to be aware. The message of the angel was also to raise awareness. The women were at the tomb to look for Jesus. The angel speaks to them to make them aware of the unexpected reality. He's not here. The one that the woman had sought was gone. The body was not stolen or moved, but instead it was supernaturally removed. They did not ex expect to find the tomb empty and are shocked by the reality of the resurrection. Jesus would no longer be found among the dead because he had risen. Yep, yep. Jesus was dead. These women were there when he was nailed to the cross. These women were there when they took him off the cross and prepared his body for burial. They were at the tomb when Jesus was laid to rest. They understood the reality that the king was dead. The angel intentionally reminds them of the words of Jesus and his promise to rise from the dead. Right when they heard that, they remembered. Have you ever had one of those times when you forget something, but as soon as someone gives you a slight reminder, it instantly comes back to you? Because I've had more than enough of these moments. And <laughs> I remember this one time, we're going to Chicago. We're going to watch a Cubs game. I'm so excited. I'm ready to watch the Cubs. I love the Cubs. They were doing good. And we get to the subway in Chicago. And as we're sitting there, my mom asks the craziest question of all time. You guys got your shoes? Kobe, yeah, I got my shoes. Amy, yeah, shoes. Tyler, yeah, I got my shoes. My cousins, they all got their shoes. I'm standing there. Shoes. <laughs> Do you really need shoes? <laughs> I don't know if I want to go into the city with shoes. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and as soon as my mom tells me, I remember, I need shoes. I need shoes to go wherever I want to go. <laughs> it's just, and thankfully my cousin had shoes, but it's not even moments like that for me. It's, my dad tells me, Corey, I got a list of chores for you and I want you to do as, you go, as I'm gone. And I'm like, okay, hit me with them, Dad. I got you. I got you, Dad. I can do these chores for you. Corey, I need you to mow the lawn. I need you to take care of your room. I need you to wash the dishes. And I need you to take out the trash. I got this. Let's go. I can do this. My dad gets back. Hey, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah, Dad? What's going on? Do you, uh, do you remember what it was that I said to you right before I left? <laughs> yeah, of course. You gave me a list of chores, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did them for you. No, you didn't. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I mowed the lawn, I washed the dishes, and I took out the trash. Corey, what did I tell you to do? Mow the lawn, wash the dishes, take out the trash. Corey, clean your room. Boom, hits me, just like that. <laughs> I totally forgot to clean my room. Dad, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, I forgot. I'm so sorry. And those moments that I had, that's a moment that these women had when they were at the tomb, when the angel tells them, when the angel tells them what the words of Jesus, that he told them that he was gonna rise again, that he told them he was gonna be resurrected. Now the truth of the resurrection is at the core of what we believe as Christians. The message of the angel is equally for us. We need to be aware of the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there's no eternal life. Without the resurrection, there's no hope. Without the resurrection, there's no forgiveness. Come on, come on. Brings me to point three, we need to be active. 
the angel gives the woman these two simple instructions. Come and see and go and tell. The angel wanted the woman to see the empty tomb for themselves, come and see the place where he lay. The instruction is for them to look into the inner chamber of the tomb. The invitation is to see inside the tomb and an invitation to become a witness. God chooses these women to be the first witnesses of the resurrection. The angel tells the woman to go and tell the others of the good news. There's no way to be a witness of the resurrection without sharing it. We are all witnesses of the resurrection. The moment that we encountered Christ and came face to face with the reality of the empty tomb, we were charged with being his witness. Now, as I look back on my life, I think about how have I lived as a witness? How have I been a child of God and listened to what he said? And I hate to say it, but I have not always lived the way I would like to live as a witness. Ever since I was a kid, I've had this word I've heard from people that I was supposed to be special. I'm special because God God has something for me. I'm supposed to be a leader or something like that. And as a young kid, I allowed that to get to my head. I allowed that. I didn't take it in humbly. I didn't take it in as, well, God has something for me. How can I bring him glory through this? I took it as, I'm special. I can do what I want. I can get away with whatever I want. So as a young kid, I would... I would go through days at school and I would say what I wanted to say. I would do what I wanted to do. I was disrespectful to teachers. I was disrespectful to classmates. And I would live my life the way I wanted because I thought I could fix it. I'm special. I can fix that, right? No. So it led me into this couple of years that were really dark, really terrible for me. It led me into a time of anger. I I struggled with anger for such a long time because... I was supposed to be special, but nothing was coming out of it. And then it led me into this terrible addiction, an addiction to pornography. And I was, as I was young, I struggled with this for years, and I hid this behind myself. I put this behind me because how was I supposed to have a flaw if I'm special? I had many flaws, but I found this one is like a really big one. How am I supposed to have this if I'm special? And as I put it behind me and I hid it from everyone else in the world, it just brought me down deeper into this pit that I was not who I was supposed to be. And I just kept on growing angrier and angrier, and it grew me, it made me grow into something that I did not want to be. Thankfully, though, I have great, witness, uh, great leaders around me. I have my parents, Tim and Lynette Carpenter. That was weird. Dad and Mom Carpenter. And then I have all the eldership team around me. I have great mentors and everything. But as a young kid, I hid that from them, and it did not allow me to live the life that God wanted me to live. It, not, it allowed me to do whatever I wanted to do and get away, think I could get away with it because I was special and I was able to do that. But that's not right. So since I had these great leaders, they would allow me to go, and I had great parents who were in the youth group, I was able to go on missions trips to Guatemala, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, most, probably the most powerful in my life, Zanesville, most recent one. And as I was able to be down there and I was able to see all that people went through, all that they had to deal with, they were so poor, they couldn't get anything. And then to see the joy that they have just because they had Christ in their life, just because they were living their right life, it was, it was something that was so powerful to me. I never really had this one Paul moment where I was just on the road and then everything changes. It was more of this time of, slow, gradual uh, improvement. And through the worship sessions, through all the, the words that I heard down there, 
it really started to move in my life, and I was able to bring that to God. I was able to bring all my burdens to God. And I tell you, I'm so glad that I was able to do that at the age I am. I'm only 16 years old, and I can already see so much in the past two or three years that God has moved in my life, in the past months that God has moved in my life. He's pushed me to become a better man of God. And through that, through the leaders that I have, and being with God and wanting to be able to be a witness to him and live out the life that he has for me, I've been able to get out of that addiction. I've been able to get out of that anger, and I've been able to live a life in peace. I've been able to live a life out of fear or without fear. And I just really, want, really quick, I just want to encourage you guys. I don't care if you're six years old, you're 20 years old, you're 80 years old. If you have not found that peace, if you have not found that joy that God has given you, I'm going to encourage you to find that. Because just the amount that he has done in my life in the last little bit is the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life. The amount that he has done in the last couple months and couple years is so great. And that's why I love the song, I Thank God. Because God literally picked me up. He literally turned me around. And he literally placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the savior. I thank God. I can sing that whole song because that song has done, is basically a lot of what God has done in my life. He has changed my life from this terrible pit that I was in, this terrible addiction, this anger, all that I had, but he's able to bring that out and make me a better man, a better man of God, allowing me to live as a witness. I was able to start sharing the good news like I am right now, and we're all given the responsibility to share the good news, good news that he has risen. Again, how does this all translate into English for us today? One, it means that because of the resurrection, we can have eternal life. In John eleven twenty five, it says, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. Two, it means that we can live in power, of, under power of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, 19 through 20, it says, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power. For us who believe in him, for, understand, excuse me, understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. Three, we will one day experience our own resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22, it says, but the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. He has become the first of a great harvest. Those who will be raised to life again, those, for those who will be raised to life again. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam. But all who are related to Christ the other man will be given new life. The resurrection is the key to our victory in the Christian life because we have been drawn into union with Christ. Ephesians 2, 6 says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and we are seated with him in the heavenly realms, all because we are one with Jesus Christ. Three things that the resurrection of Jesus Christ means for us. Receiving eternal life, being spiritually empowered, and experiencing our own spiritual resurrection. Jesus Christ showed his perfect love for all humanity when he bore our sins at Calvary. He conquered sin and death when he rose from the grave three days later. This is why we rejoice today. This is why we rejoice, why we rejoice every Easter and every single day for the rest of our lives. There can be no doubt that the very first Easter was an Easter remember. Let me pray with us. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the sins you took away from us on the cross. I thank you for the resurrection and allowing us to be able to live our lives as a witness to you. God, I pray that we can always give you glory, always bring you praise. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Hallelujah.
Excellent job, brother. Excellent job. Amen. I want to just say, stand with me in this place. I want to say to us this morning, as Corey's brought a great word of personal revelation, that if you've been in those seasons of dark times, amen, just remember, the angel came and rolled the stone away, not so Jesus could get out, but so that we could get in. Amen. It wasn't a stone that held Jesus in the grave. Amen. And so as we're able to look for a moment into an empty tomb to say, maybe I've been in a dark time for a, a little space. Amen. I just can remember God always brings light through the resurrection into my darkness. Amen. And so I just want to give the Lord a big hand of praise for that word one more time. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we want you to greet Corey, tell him what you think, what God spoke to you, and those things. But we're also going to take some time to fellowship at breakfast this morning. Amen. And so we're going to pray for the meal. We hope that you'll stay around. Uh, again, if you came in late, but you're not able to stay for the 10 a.m. service, and you're wanting to contribute to our Easter offering, there's a basket out front for you to do that. As we are building our goal to put this gym up for young people just like this. And if you don't think... Amen, that we need space to make more impact, more disciples for young men and women like this. Um, I think you're not looking straight. Amen. Uh, I can give you my glasses a little bit later if you want. But we're, we're so grateful that on Easter, as God gave his best, we can give our best to see God continue to use us for his glory. Amen. And so, Father, this morning in this place, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to fellowship now. Reflect over this word to enjoy this meal. God, we pray that you bless the hands that prepared this food for us. Bless our fellowship over it, Lord. Father, allow your presence to come as we prepare our hearts, Lord, for what you want to do in our next service, God. Father, those who are still yet to come this morning, we pray that you begin even now to stir them as you have stirred us in this place. God, that you are alive and well, and because you're alive, we're alive, and because we're alive, your church is alive, Lord. And so, Father, stir us in this place. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Turn around and tell someone, he's alive. I'm not about to be